primero de mayo. <risa> Hello and welcome to the The Cindy Podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Jr. Follow me on what very much looks like the Elon app at The Cindy. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-F-D. Uh, the podcast is also up there on the Elon app at The Cindy Podcast, all one word. You can also follow along at the Zuckerberg app and the China app. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Link is in the description. Drop in videos weekly, YouTube shorts and all that. Be sure to tap in. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thecmd.com. Subscribe and rate to the podcast five stars, nothing less. Tell a friend. Podcast available on all major podcasting platforms, including the Purple app and the Rogan app. Musical production done by Mayfirst Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash Music. I never thought I was going to have to do this like three games in, but let me just go ahead and uh, kill the bed here. Hi, Philly. <laughs> three games? Three games. That's all it took. Three games. Yo, I mean, keep it real. If y'all are tanking for Victor, let me know. Please. If, if Philly is now tanking for Victor Webinyama, I am here for it. Please tell me y'all are tanking for Vic. How else can you explain losing to the Spurs? How else? How else? Yeah, I know the Phillies were playing and it's a busy time and maybe the, the spotlight isn't on y'all yet. A little preoccupied. No, 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 no. You lost to the Spurs. You lost to the Spurs. A bunch of dudes. A bunch of dudes who I did not know. A bunch of dudes who I am not aware of that played the game of professional basketball. I did not know of the majority of those dudes that were kicking y'all ass up and down the court yesterday. I had no idea that Philadelphia 76ers, who are thought to be a threat, who are thought to be a contender, oh, and three. Amazing times. I am so here for it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, let's not forget. I mean, you did make that choice. And y'all were riding with it. <laughs> y'all were riding with it. Y'all were Team Toby. Don't forget Toby. Y'all were out here riding for Toby. Meanwhile, Jimmy Buckets took his talents to South Beach. But this Philadelphia 76ers team is an enigma. They are quite literally the definition of an enigma. Look at how they have started. Look, they lost to Boston. Boston's a really good team. Celtics are going to be in that contention again. They might get to the finals again. They might even win the finals this year, despite Ime Odoka being big horny. Despite all of that, they still might get back to the finals and may even win this time. Then they go and they face the Bucks. So you lose to the Celtics. That's fine. Good game. Close game. Fine. Then you lose to the Bucks. Giannis. Still no Chris Middleton, though. I mean, you lose to the Bucks with no Chris Middleton. Explain yourself. Explain yourself, contender. Explain yourself. But anyway, let's look at Giannis is enough. Giannis is enough sometimes. I mean, he was almost enough last year. So, okay, you lose to the Bucks, 0-2, fine. But at least you have good losses. If you're ever going to quantify anything as a good loss, it's losing to the Celtics and losing to the Bucks. But the Spurs, though. Explain yourself, King. Joel, explain yourself, King. Jacob Pertle, you can't stop Jacob Pertle. You can't get a 50-piece on Jacob Pertle? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But, you know, James Harden, a.k.a. the beard. The beard lost 100 pounds, right? He lost 100 pounds, so he's back to being Houston beard, right? And we all know how that worked. We all know. Like, they didn't win anything. They didn't even get to the finals. Like, I don't Why does Houston beard mean something? But anyway, Maxi, Tyrese Maxi. Everyone is saying Maxi's going to take the step. Maxi is going to be him. The big three in Philly is not Harden, Embiid, and Toby. It's Harden, Embiid, Maxi. Well, Maxi looking like little bro. Maxi is looking like little bro out here. And the problem is he's looking little bro like Harden. And you don't want that. 
especially shooting wise. This is supposed to be a guy that's supposed to be exciting, you know, engaging, dynamic with the rock. But he's looking out here looking like a baby Harden. They're shooting the same percentage from three. They're shooting, they're both shooting below league average from three. Two guys that are thought to be dynamic with the rock, dangerous with the rock, being able to shoot from long distance. They're both shooting 31% from three. Okay, 31% from three. Now, if you want to parse the numbers, you could round up for the beer because he's 31.8, so you can say 32%. But Maxi's sitting there, right? At 31.3, bro, that's 31. 31% from a guy that's supposed to be, expected to be, a guy to take another step. He took a step last year. I'm not here to shit on Maxi. I'm saying, what are you really expecting from bruh? Because he's out here doing his best Harden impression night after night. And you know what's worse than having one beard? Two beards, okay? That's what's worse than having one beard is to having a second beard that's not even as good as the first beard. So we go from one 0-3 team to another 0-3 team. And this team, you might have expected them to be 0-3. It's the Lake Show. Lake Show, are y'all good? Because this is looking really, really bad. Because you have a good AD, good Anthony Davis. Braun is playing like Braun. You're getting a good amount from Lonnie Walker early on. And then there's Russie. Mm. Russie. Russell Westbrook. Off the bench, he's claiming injuries. He's claiming not being in rhythm because he's coming off the bench when he's coming on the floor. He's trying to play like a guy that thinks he's still him when it's very clear that he's not still him. How do you, as a guy that's not him, transition to being a lesser version of yourself but still play like you're still him? Is there a way to do that? That's what it's looking like for Russell Westbrook because he's not him. His athleticism is still more or less there. His skill set is more or less there. But it's his weaknesses. They've been maximized as this league has become so much more proficient in shooting. So now, if you're a guy whose game is predicated on running and gunning, jumping over someone, thugging your way to the cup, and that's not something that's being prioritized anymore, what do you do? Carmelo Anthony was in this position, but at least Melo always had the jimmy. He could always shoot the jumper. Now we have a guy in Russell Westbrook who was never known as a shooter. Never. Not even at UCLA. Was never known to be a shooter. Now, in a league that prioritizes shooting at a level we've never seen before, how does a guy that's always been aggressive? We've seen Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose can now shoot three-pointers. Derrick Rose is now proficient from the outside. He made that adjustment. He has extended his career because of it. Russell Westbrook has yet to do that. And I'm not saying he hasn't tried to do that. I really think he has tried to get better. The notion of being in the gym and just putting up a thousand shots a day and all of a sudden becoming Steph Curry is a misnomer. That's not going to happen. But I know you're saying, well, we're not asking him to be Steph Curry. Just be better. Sometimes you just can't shoot. Like, there's, there's some players that just their rhythm, their shot, their arc, it's not meant to be. And I think, sadly, Russie, Russell Westbrook, is one of those guys. He's just not meant to be a shooter, yo. You know, LeBron was in the postgame talking about we don't got no lasers. Russell Westbrook has never been a laser. <laughs> He's never. If you thought you could bring him in and put him in with Phil Handy, one of the greatest assistant coaches slash trainers in the league, and all of a sudden he was going to be a laser, then that's on you, bruh. You should know his movies. We all know Russie's movies by now. So none of this should be fooling Braun, Rich Paul, Palenka, Jamie Buss. None of this should be fooling anyone in the Lakers front office or in organization. But what do you do? Is this a transition year? Because clearly it looks to be. They have a lot of youngins on the bench. We're unsure. A lot of them were cooking in summer league. Some of them were able to cook in training camp. But now it's real games. Now Scottie Pippen Jr. has to really do it for real in games that matter. Can he do it? Because Braun is going to be Braun. He's going to break Kareem's record. He's going to be that guy. But this team might not even be in the playing mix. As is constituted right now, this team is not good enough from what I've seen. And again, only three games, super small sample size. But again, this team doesn't look right enough. Lonnie Walker is really good. He's an ancillary piece. Like, 
I, I never thought I would come to say this. Lake Show misses KCP. That's that's where we're at, where the Lake Show misses KCP. He's out there in Denver and he's cooking. He's cooking, by the way. They go get the win over the dubs. But KCP, guys like that, three and D guys. Guys that can play the three position, that can play the wing position. That's a small forward, even a little bit of a two guard. And in the pinch, maybe in point. Because that's what KCP did at times. I mean, this is a guy that hooped with a house arrest bracelet on. That's how committed to the game KCP is. Never forget that. So the Lakers are missing that type of guy. They don't have that type of guy right now. Russie is him in his head. I don't think Russie is him. It's been clear. Russie has not been him on the court for a very long time now. And what's going to happen when they eventually move him? If they can. Like, let's assume they can move him. What do you do if you're Lake Show? What are you trying to get back? If they have to package him with some picks to get rid of him, that player that you're coming to get in, how good of a player is that person going to be? Is that a win-now move? Because if you look at next year's cap, it's essentially Bron, AD, and I'm not even sure who else might be on the roster. Like, that might be it. Like, they can totally reshape this roster on the fly next year. That's if you let Russie go. If you let Russie play out this contract and stay on the team and let his contract expire at the end of the year, now you have tremendous amounts of space where you could go get a third max guy or you can fill him with better role players that are a better fit, maybe some guys with lasers around Braun. Because let's see, Chris Middleton is available. He'll be a free agent. Are you willing to max out a Chris Middleton and have a core of Braun, AD, and Chris Middleton and then just have a bunch of dudes around him? Or do you keep it Braun and AD and maybe go get a rung below Chris Middleton, like two or three dudes at that level? That's going to be the choice of Palinka and probably more importantly, Rich Paul and Braun. And they need to figure this out because Braun's legacy this is not how this is supposed to end. I know why he's in L.A. We know the media ventures and we know, you know, get, making sure Bronny and Bryce have the best opportunities in terms of hoop and, and education. We understand that. However, basketball legacy is a thing. When Kareem broke the record for points, the Lakers were still winning and winning chips. Now we're looking at Bron and it's like, man, you're, I'm not, I'm not going to say he's going out flabby and sick because he's still in great shape. How he got that shape, we won't speak on. But he still looks the part. He still looks the part. But the legacy is taking a hit if the Lakers keep bottoming out. That bubble championship is starting to look more and more shaky in the light with all these sub-mid-seasons surrounding it. Because you had a couple of mid-seasons prior, then you had the bubble championship, and now you have a couple of more mid-seasons after it. And it's like, well, what is LeBron's Laker legacy? Sold a lot of jerseys, made a lot of bread maxed out contracts but in terms of legacy outside of that bubble year where ad played out of his mind where kcp played out of his mind rondo the point god played out of his mind it took an optimal setting for everyone to get bron that one more chip to get him the four darvin ham looks to know what he's doing i just don't know if he has the pieces to really showcase that he does know what he's doing we were hoodwinked we were bamboozled. We were led astray. We were run amok. The Scamadam Dea got us again. He got us again. Utah, the Utah Jazz are 3-0. 3-0. Are you shitting me? Are you kidding me? 3-0? They got six dudes. Six. Six dudes averaging double figures in points. They're sixth in offensive rating. They're 11th in defensive rating. Lori Markinen's dropping 25 a night. The hell is going on in Utah? The hell is going on? This is not what it's supposed to be. They're supposed to be tanking for Victor Webinyama. That's who they're supposed to be. I, I can't understand this. I cannot fathom how he fooled us again. He scammed us again. He did it again. He was able to flip two all-stars for 15 future first round picks and make us all believe that he was tanking. It's all about Vic. 
He'll settle for Scoot, but it's all about Vic. That's what he made us believe. That's what he told people in the league. And now they're sitting here 3-0. and The hell is going on? Mike Conley back? The hell is going on? I can't call it. I, I truly cannot call it. But I will tell you this. This is the biggest scam job he's ever pulled off. If they make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, it will be the biggest scam he's ever pulled. I can no longer hate on him if he pulls this off. If he's able to successfully get this team, this roster, to the playoffs, not the playing, the playoffs, not no seven, eight, nine. He's able, if he's able to get a top six seed, I have to fall back. My hate has to diminish. I have to celebrate this man. All the years of me hating on him, all the years of calling out his ways will go for naught. I will run it all the way back. I will take it all the way back and say, no, 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 no. You are an elite scammer, sir. You are elite. There is nobody better. There is nobody better to make an entire league, an entire sport, think that you're tanking. And then you jettison two dudes that you knew, you knew weren't it. I mean, truthfully, a lot of us knew. But I mean, for the, for the sake of the matter, you walked into a situation and assessed that roster and said, your top two players are Basura. They're not going to get you to a championship. We need to flip them and flip them now. And you made the Knicks think you were just going to hand over Donovan Spider Mitchell. You made Knicks tape fans get mad. You made Knicks tape fans go on social media and say, this is collusion. You have blue check boys jumping out the window, blue check boys jumping out the window who are in the Knicks back pocket out here riding on you saying you lie to the Knicks. You took a lesser deal just to spite the Knicks. You let all of that disguise the fact that you were scooping up hoopers on the low. What the fuck? Who saw this? Who? Only one man. Only one man saw this. The Scamadum Dea has fooled us. Taking a roster with Laurie Markinen? Do I need to run down the Laurie Markinen experience as a person that used to root for the Chicago Bulls? before I realized that fandom is a mental illness? Do I need to tell you that that man has been thought to be underwhelming his entire career, but now poof, drop him in Salt Lake, career highs everywhere. You can't make this shit up. You truly cannot make this shit up. The Scamadum Bea has fooled us. He is not tanking. What if he's not tanking? What if he sees what I see, that the Western Conference is very top-heavy? Very top-heavy. There's maybe four teams, and that's a bit of stretch. I would probably say more like three teams who you could legitimately say can win a championship coming out the West. That means there's three spots guaranteed for the playoffs and another two to vie for the play-in. He fooled us. Not just me, he fooled you too. It's okay, this is a safe space. We can come here and talk together. Leave it in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. Leave it in the comments if you thought the Utah Jazz were gonna make the playoffs. I had no idea. If you're gonna try to jump in the comments and say you knew, then I'm just gonna think that you are a Utah Jazz shill and you're still on that mental illness that it's fandom because no one in their right mind who watches the game of basketball could look at this roster. Colin Sexton's good. Let's be clear. Colin Sexton is good. There's some good players on here. But six dudes in double figures? Six? I can't call it. I truly cannot call it. I just hope the hater in me still hopes that the Skimadum Dea will come back down to earth and realize that you cannot tank for Victor Webinyama and come out the gate 3-0. I hope that he realizes I built too good of a team to even tank. 
He's so good. He was so good at flipping Spider Mitchell and flipping Rudy Gobert that he amassed too good of a roster to actually tank. So now he needs to now go flip Laurie Markkinen. Like, that's what it might come down to. I got to get Laurie. Laurie's out here cooking. He's feeling way too acclimated in Salt Lake City. I mean, he certainly looks the part. If you take a look at Laurie Markkinen and I tell you this guy plays professional basketball in Utah, you're like, oh, tailor-made. He's perfect. He's perfect. There's nobody better to hoop in Utah than someone who looks like Laurie Markkinen. So they might have to move on from him. They're too good. And they're beating quality teams. The teams that they have beat to start this season are not chumps. This is not chump change that they're beating. They're not bottom feeders. They beat Denver. Okay, a lot of people sneaky pick to contend for a championship. Then they go and they beat Rudy Gobert in Minnesota in Minnesota. Okay, and then they go and they beat the Pelicans with everyone's sneaky pick for MVP. Zion Williamson, your man's again last night. So 3-0 against teams that are supposed to be, if not playoff teams, contenders. That doesn't look like a tanking team to me. Did he, did he scam us? Did Danny Ainge scam us again? So some of you reached out to me to hit me up, to ask me about, hey, what do you think about this fraud ace? Oh, wait, hang on. Some of you are new here. So, uh, yeah, I'll use his real name, but in actuality, I don't say his real name. I call him by the name that I call him by, but for the, for the sake of this story to begin, I'm just going to say his real name. So some of you hit me up uh, to talk about Stephen A. Smith and the new Manning cast type show he's going to be doing where he's going to be uh, talking on a second screen experience during an NBA games, giving live exclusive commentary. And um, a lot of you wanted to know my thoughts about it. And to me, it's just like, man, how many more shows they're going to have this man doing? Like, how many more shows? I've been calling him overworked and underpaid. Friday Smith now hiding behind a paywall for as long as I can on this podcast. But every year they keep adding more work. Now, he's making 10 mil a year, roughly. He's making 10 mil a year. But when you look at all the shows that he's doing, it ain't. The value he's giving them does not equate to 10 million. Like I know, look, man, you are what you are in terms of what you sign on that contract, but the content and the hours and the value and the numbers that he's driving, there's no way you could prove to me that that equates to 10 million per year. Like, no, no way, not a chance in hell. Like there's others at the fall of the network who make around that, that don't work as hard as Fraud A. Smith. So how can you justify doing yet another show? Because remember, they had him doing all types of shows by hiding behind, hiding behind that paywall at the Full of the Network Plus. He was hiding behind that paywall doing tons of content over there for the low. Then he re-upped and everyone said, oh, he got the bag. I'm like, no, no, he didn't. 10 mil, that's it? Even if you would tell me it's 12 mil, that's it? No, no. Tom Brady has a deal waiting for him whenever he decides to retire. If he decides to ever actually retire, when he's gonna get 30 plus mil a year and he's only working 17 days out the year for that 30 mil, that's Tom Brady. Troy Aikman is getting 20 plus mil from the same network Fraud A. Smith is at. And again, he's only working 17 Mondays a year. And you're telling me you're working five days a week, minimum five hours of content a day, minimum. And you're telling me 10 mil is enough? That math ain't mathing. That math is not mathing. Now, I've been trying to tell y'all for a minute that this man is overworked and underpaid, and I was called a hater for it. I was called jealous of it, which I'm like, why would I be jealous? Like, because first of all, I don't watch ESPN, and I don't, I don't watch that shit. I don't, I don't watch ESPN, and I don't watch that shit. I don't watch ESPN, and I don't watch that shit. I don't do that. I stopped that a while ago. But I've been sitting here literally telling y'all that someone that has worked in media for over a decade, decade plus now, we're like 13, 14 years in now. Like I know a lot of things behind the scenes and I'm telling you the value that he is giving that company 
the value that he is generating for that brand, the name recognition that he is giving the full of the network does not equate to no 10, I'll even bump it up, not even no 12 or no 15 million. So the fact that now he wants to do everything like that, that's the disease of me. Pat Riley talked about this in his book. He wrote a book after the, uh, the demise of the Lakers when he had Magic, Kareem, and all those guys. Like The disease of me, once you win, once you win a championship, the disease of me creeps in where the stars are still the stars and they feel as though they're stars. But the role players, the role players start to feel themselves. The role players start to think, yeah, well, I'm just as responsible as the star in winning this championship. We won the championship, right? So we, we as in me, flip that W upside down like it's me. I helped win this championship. So Fraud A. Smith started out with Skip Bayless. And they both built up a brand of first take. They embraced debate and it became a phenomenon, something that, you know, was very rare on television and it became a thing of its own. I wouldn't, I won't say it revolutionized because debate talk format was already existing in radio, but in terms of television, it was one of the first that actually hit the mark. Black guy versus white guy, sports talk debate, boom, right? Then Skip left got a bag and ran. Fraud A. Smith cashed out. He became the man. Now, there's some pieces that I'm going to leave out because it's too long of a story to recap here, but there's a lot of stuff that you can look up and, and duck, duck, go yourself and figure it out. Fact of the matter is, Fraud A. Smith was emboldened to be the man once Skip left. This is your network. This is going to be your block. You're going to choose everything. And then he went out there and chose a bunch of mid people to pull up. And then the ratings plummeted. They had this man going to cover UFC fights when he knows next to nothing about UFC. They had this man hosting shows damn near around the clock where at any time of the night, any time of the day, 24, 7, 365, he was on call to pop up and just give you a good 10 to 15 minutes pause on a topic. That's why I say, yo, man, this guy ain't getting paid enough because I know what people get paid to do way less than him. And if he's in that neighborhood with the work that he puts in, it ain't math. And the math is not math. And when it comes to fraud, a Smith, but you sign on the dotted line that you must, you must feel that that is your value. Unless there's an ownership stake, unless there is a profit sharing stake that we're not aware of, it's just, if it's just a straight up brick and mortar contract, then yes, this man is overworked and underpaid. So I don't know what more y'all need me to discuss on this, but it's like, yeah, of course he's doing another show. Of course he's gonna do another show that will eat up three to four hours, more hours of his time. Of course, because of course that's, that's, that's what he does. That's, that's all they want him to do. If they could put this man on from a continuous 24-7 stream, they would. If they could do a red zone, a red zone, seven hours, commercial free, of just Fraud A. Smith, they would. If he could do it like Scott Hansen and Gaman Siciliano, if they, he could do a show like that, they would. And some of y'all, unfortunately, will watch it. I just... I don't know what y'all get out of that. Like, I understand what you got a red zone. But I, I watching Fraud A. Smith, I can't do it. I can't do it. But look, overworked and underpaid, I mean. I told you! I told you! I told you! I mean. I told you! Listen to me now. Believe me later on. Is Hove selling Duce to buy the Washington football team? I mean, he has a beef with Bacardi because they're allegedly funding with the money in the reporting of the actual money that Dusig is bringing in. He clearly wants to cash out. Is Hove cashing out? Cashing out Dusig to finally, finally cash out and cash in on selling out Kaepernick all them years ago? Is this what he's doing? Is this the ultimate play? Is this capitalist Hove maneuvering? Because, I mean, Washington football team is going to be up for sale. The NFL owners are now sending one of their own, Jim Ursay, to come out here and talk that talk about Daniel Snyder and air him out saying, yeah, it's time. And we got the votes. 
Jim Ursay is wearing it on his chest. It's time, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. It's time, bruh. And Jim Ursay is not one for play play. His pops used to own Indianapolis, and they were in Baltimore before that. But his pops ran that team, handed it down to his son. And Jim Ursay has lived that life. Daniel Snyder, the power play that I spoke about on the last episode, he is using that power play to leak tea. He leaked more tea about Jerry Jones. I mean, allegedly, allegedly. More tea just so happened to come out about Jerry Jones, another NFL owner. And Daniel Snyder was thought or was reported to have, have hired private investigators to get tea on other NFL owners. So you tell me. Report comes out that Daniel Snyder is out here hiring PIs to get tea. Then all of a sudden, when he's being threatened to have this team taken from him, some tea just happens to float out there about the Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones. You tell me if that's Snyder or not. Anywho, so now Jim Ursay who's wearing his because he's got no tea and he's the perfect dude to send out there. I mean, it's an obvious play when you look at the NFL owners and the commissioner, Roger Goodell, sending out one of their own to be the face, to be the face of the other owners who can't wear it on their chest like Jim Mercy. Jim Mercy was caught out here in a car with pills and bread and skated. Okay, like he was an NFL owner that was caught in a car with a shit ton of pills and a shit ton of money and nothing happened to him. Right. So his team, we all know what he about. He wears it. So he's the perfect one to stand out here like, yeah, bring that tea. Y'all know my tea. I was caught with pills in a duffel bag full of money in a car drunken on the dr uh, driving on the drunken rampage allegedly that was me i can wear it so whatever tea you're trying to jump jump out you don't need no pi for me i can tell you my tea so jim ursay is speaking on behalf of the owners and he's saying we got the votes we can get you up out of here walk away before we take this vote because if we take this vote now the vote doesn't necessarily mean instantaneously daniel snyder has to sell his team. What it means is that they have voted you out of the bargaining of being a part of the NFL ownership group. So in essence, you would be, you know, put out on your own island. You'll be Daniel Snyder Island. Now he's already done that in theory with the way that he has alienated himself from the other owners. So in essence, he's already done it. But when they have this vote that Jim Ursay is saying, no, 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 we got the votes. It will be official. He'll be alienated to himself on his own island. And Daniel Snyder, look, man, he spent $100 million on a plot of land in VA because he wants a new stadium. And FedEx Field, as I've said here on this podcast for a very long time, is a dump. And I specifically had to work there two seasons ago, and it was a dump. And I can't believe that professional football players are risking their lives on that type of field in the condition that it's in. It is amazing to me that he has skated this long. We're not even talking about the misogyny, the racism, and everything else that has gone on that's been widely reported. Having cheerleaders being gawked at by billionaires, that's been reported. These are things that the Washington Post and the Four Letter Network have uncovered. This is all stuff you could just type in and search away. It's all there for public record. This man has owned a team despite that. He has owned a team and continue to own a team and earn revenue from owning that team in lieu of that. But now the owners are feeling like, yo, the D.C. area, DMV, whatever you want to call it. It's like the fifth largest market in regards to the NFL teams. But they're not generating that type of revenue of a team that's in the fifth largest market in the NFL. So they need someone to go in there and be competent and build a team, build a winner, and build a, a foundational, uh, foundational base that will get another stadium that won't be publicly funded, because that's what Daniel Snyder was trying to do, even with this new stadium. He just went and bought the land. He ain't trying to build that stadium, not with all his own money. He's trying to get the taxpayers in Washington, D.C. to put the money up. A fan base that openly despises them. He's trying to gouge them one more again, one more time to get some money out of them. 
hey, go build me another stadium. Yeah, the team's been basura ever since I owned it. The team's been trashed. The fan base has felt alienated. I have alienated myself from not only the community, but even the community of other owners. But go build me another team with your taxpayer money. Go ahead. Go ahead and do that for your boy. Daniel Snyder one time. One time for the one time. Go ahead. It's amazing to me. Daniel Snyder is out here playing a dangerous game and more tea is going to be leaked. So you got some tea on Jerry. That's just Jerry being Jerry. Like, we know what type of time Jerry's on. We've seen the photos, okay? We've seen the photos. We know what type of time Jerry's on. Illegitimate child? Okay, that's, that's par for the course for Jerry Jones. I mean, Jerry Jones is the same guy that had a Ray Donovan, a fixer, if you will, in his care for decades, multiple decades, two, three decades. That man filmed upskirt pics of Jerry Jones's daughter and got away with it, okay? So we know what type of time Jerry is on, all right? And by the way, that same guy was in the locker room taking pics and vids of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders changing, okay, for a charity event. He was in the, he was in the locker room, snuck in through the bathroom, and was taking pics and vids of the cheerleaders. And Jerry Jones still kept them on the payroll, still kept them hired. So, I mean, we know what type of time Jerry Jones is on. So, whatever T, Daniel Sands got to do better than that. He's got to do better than that. If you think we're going to be, you know, all flabbergasted by Jerry Jones having an alleged illegitimate child, you got to do better than that. If that's what all the PI got, then you in trouble, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. You in trouble. You in trouble if that's all you got, bro. But understand, like, the NFL owners are banding together like they ban they only band together on a few occasions they band together to make sure players never get guaranteed money they band together to make sure that colin kaepernick and eric reed never play again they band together to make sure that ray rice never plays again and now they're banding together to make sure you sell that team you gonna sell that team daniel get used to it you want to fuck around and find out what jerry jones and jim ursay can unearth or even just a collection of other owners against you daniel Go ahead and play that game if you want. Fuck around, you will find out. So coming into this uh, NFL season, I talked about a few pods ago actually, about the most dangerous phrase in all sports. And it was something that I think teases fans, it teases front office, it keeps people hired, it gets people fired. Like it's a phrase that I think is so dangerous because it's like a false sense of belief that I think leads into the mental illness that is fandom. And it's, you're just a quarterback away. There are so many teams that try to convince themselves this upcoming season. The Colts, um, you look at the Broncos, a lot of teams, I ran them down. A, the, the Raiders are still trying to figure out if they're a quarterback away. The Dolphins are still trying to figure out if they're a quarterback away. There's been so many teams that have fooled themselves or tricked themselves into answering that question or thinking that question out loud. We're just a quarterback away. If we could just get a quarterback, we're going to be contenders. We're going to be a championship level team. But now there's a new contender. And watching the, the NFL through the first six, seven weeks here, it's come to fruition to me that there is a new contender for that question. There might be a new most dangerous phrase in all the sports. You ready? You're just a wide receiver away. Like for real though. For real though. Look at the teams. There's three teams that I want to talk about briefly that I think are just a wide receiver away from really being relevant. And one of them is really good already. Like one of them is bar none, put up 40, 30, 40 points every week, and everyone thinks they're going to be a shoe win for at least a championship game appearance, if not a Super Bowl appearance. But I'm like, they're just a wide receiver away. I don't see it. But let's start with the Packers. The Packers are a wide receiver away. Now, they haven't always been a wide receiver away. They literally had a number one wide receiver, and they got rid of him or let him walk in free agency in Devontae Adams, who's now in Vegas, and he's putting up similar production to what it was doing in Green Bay. But now you have Aaron Rodgers throwing around to a bunch of nameless dudes, a bunch of rookies, and, you know, Alan Lazard is your number one receiver in Green Bay. That's a problem. So now the Packers offense, which is fresh off losing to both the Jets and the Giants, 
and then go take another L yesterday. This is becoming a problem in Green Bay because who is Aaron Rodgers going to trust? Who is he throwing to? He's forcing balls to Tunyon. It's becoming that much of a thing. They're dusting off Aaron Jones and trying to force feed him just to give this offense any semblance of rhythm. This is what's happening in Green Bay. It's a big problem when you don't have a receiver. You need a number one receiver. This is the modern passing era. It has never been easier to pass in the history of the NFL than right now. It's never been easier. The rules have been changed to help offensive score more points and move the ball more freely. Wide receivers are able to get off the line easier. Quarterbacks aren't targeted or hit or pounded as much. So therefore, it is the easiest time ever to pass the ball. So why do these teams not all have a bona fide number one receiver? It baffles me. The Green Bay Packers let Devontae Adams walk. Okay, cool. Who's in the tuck? You're going to try to go get Odell Beckham again? Because you tried to get him last year, but you asked that man to do special teams. Like, what are you talking about? Excuse me. If I'm Odell, like, do you not know my resume? Have you not seen me one hand? Like, that's, that's me. You're asking me to do special teams? You just had Devontae Adams walk away. Like, what are you asking me to do? So anyway, they might have to spin the block on that OBJ thing. And please believe leverage will be a bitch this time around. You ask me to go do special teams and I turn you down. And then I go to LA and win a Super Bowl. And now you want to spin the block again. Oh, I ain't coming in for no vet minimum. Ain't no vet minimum over here. Now you want to cash out, cash me out. So the Packers are a wide receiver away. The Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs, yes, yes, I know, I know. The Kansas City Chiefs, the team that just put up a 40-piece in the Bay against the 49ers yesterday, yes, that team is still a wide receiver away. And they had a wide receiver, and number one receiver last year, and they got rid of him, traded him to Miami, who is asking themselves still, are we a quarterback away? So again, this all ties in. The Chiefs traded their wide receiver away. And they thought they could mix and match. Mahomes is good enough. He's still got Kelsey. We can make this happen. We can make this happen with Nicole Hardman. I mean, can you take yesterday out, out the mix? That was an anomaly yesterday. Four TDs, uh, that's an anomaly for Hardman, right? I mean, we out here with Isaiah Pacheco? Really? Juju? We dusting off Juju? Like, because that's, to me, it's a difference between them and the Buffalo Bills. The much-hyped game two weeks ago or two Sundays ago with the Chiefs and the Bills. The difference to me is one team has Stephon Diggs and the other team didn't. When Josh Allen needed to throw, he went to Stephon Diggs. And if he went, when he didn't go to Stephon Diggs, the attention that Stephon Diggs was, was uh, requiring made it so Gabe Davis could eat. So either way, just having that guy, that number one guy, makes you that much more dangerous. It makes the quarterback's job that much easier. It makes your second, third, tight end, back out the backfield. All those guys' jobs are now easier because you have a dude. You have a number one receiver who is that guy. He is him. So if you're a team that doesn't have that, how can you expect to win in today's modern passing era without a number one? I don't understand it. I don't understand you can do it. So you have the Chiefs that are just a wide receiver away. You have the Packers who are just a wide receiver away. And let's go up to Baltimore, where I have been preaching this for as long as they have had Lamar Jackson. The Baltimore Ravens have infinitely been a wide receiver away. And everyone, anytime everyone wants to talk about Lamar Jackson and whether he's credible or whether he's high level or whether he's top tier or whether he's elite, I just ask him, He's put up all these numbers with no number one wide receiver. How can you chastise a quarterback that has been the MVP of a league, that has been a perennial pro bowler, that could be the face of the league, and he's never had a number one wide receiver? How can you chastise his throwing ability? Is he the most accurate? No. Does he have to be? Yes because he has no help. 
So you're going to take the one part of his game and try to analyze that or overanalyze that to death because he's not the most accurate quarterback. Well, guess what happens? When you're not the most accurate quarterback, when you have a number one receiver, he can erase some of that. So now your 50% percentage, uh, completion percentage now goes up to 60 plus, like Josh Allen's did when he got Stefan Diggs. Josh Allen's completion percentage jumped up 11 percentage points just off the addition of getting Stefan Diggs. That's exactly how that happens when you, when you have a dude, when you have a number one receiver who can go out there and make your completion percentage jump up 11 points, that's the value of having a number one receiver. And the Baltimore Ravens have never given that to Lamar Jackson, and yet they're still out here fronting on giving that man $300 million guaranteed. Out here offering that man calamari money. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you shitting me? What? What? <sighs> Three teams. The Chiefs, the Packers, the Ravens. They're all one wide receiver away. Can you imagine those quarterbacks? I mean, we've already seen two of those three have a number one receiver. Imagine if, even if you're Odell. Odell, fresh off horrific leg injuries the last two years. Put Odell in Baltimore. Maybe he's not taking the top off the defense like he used to, but he's a dude that could go get the ball. And as a number one receiver, that's your job. And as a quarterback, sometimes that's all you need. That's the confidence you have to have sometimes. Yeah, just throw it up. I'm going to put it in position and you go make a play. Go run a non-route and I'm going to chuck it up. That's all we're going to do. No reason to be cute. No reason to be intricate. I'll go run a non-route and I'm throwing it up. Okay? That's the play. That's the call. Okay? No check downs, no hot routes, no audibles, no, no anything. Non-route. That's it. Odell, non-route. It's third and eight. One-on-one -on -one, or even the safety over the top. All right, non-route. Go get it. Go get it. That's where we're at with it. I would love to see Lamar be put in that position. Maybe his organization doesn't believe in him enough. I don't know what it is. I mean, because if they won't pay him 300 M's after the fact of him being an MVP and putting up the numbers that he's put up, perennial pro baller, all pearls, all this stuff. I mean, imagine if he had a number one. Imagine if he, was, if, he was, if he had a number one receiver and was putting up even gaudier numbers. How much are you asking for then? 400? Like, so they should realize we're getting him on the cheap because we haven't even put no help around this man. So yes, give him his 300. We give him his 300, he, won't, he probably won't even ask for a number one receiver. But if you want me to take Kyler Murray money, at least Kyler Murray has a DeAndre Hopkins. Like, look, there's number one receivers all around this league. Yet the Baltimore Ravens have been unable to procure one of them. One of them. In all the years they've had Lamar Jackson. So the Baltimore Ravens are just a wide receiver away. Yankee fans, y'all good? Just curious. I mean, how does it feel? How does it feel? Swept out of there by the Strohs, your, your arch enemy? Next to the Red Sox, it's got to be the Strohs, right? Like, damn. That's a hard L. That's a hard L to take. That's a very, very, very hard L to take. Swept? Damn. Two straight at the crib? Four straight overall? Damn. But I mean, it had to be, they must have been cheating again, right? That has to be what it is. It has to be cheating. It has to be, someone was banging garbage cans again. I mean, I don't know. What, what was it this time? They had drones flying over, stealing pitches. What was it this time? What was it this time? I don't know. They, they check the hands after every, you know, end of inning. The pitcher comes out and does all of that stuff. Like, so what, what was it this time, Yankees? What was it? Big-ass payroll. Aaron Judge breaking that bullshit-ass record that no one cares about as you try to whitewash Barry Bonds out the record books. Like, what was it this time? Anywho. Anywho. Uh, Deontay Wilder. A couple quick notes as I wrap up. Deontay Wilder uh, had the one-hit-a-quitter. On what was this guy's name? The Swedish Hammer? Some some dude laid him out with a counter right hand, and Deontay Wilder was 214 pounds. That's the lightest he's been in years, and he's still able to lay someone out with that right hand. I, I don't know. I don't know. He was like 238 in the last uh, Fury fight, but 214, being that tall, that lean, and still able to lay someone out with a with a right hand, a one hit a quitter. Draymond, I'm telling you. 
Line it up. Habitual nut hitter versus Deontay Wilder. The bronze bomber versus the habitual nut hitter. I'm here for it. Take my money. Take my money now. Pay-per-view, take my money. They damn near the same height. Like, that's low-key. Like, that's a real tale of the tape. Draymond versus the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder. Like, I, I ain't mad. I ain't mad. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it remains to be seen. The heavyweight division is so, so sus. And we're not going to get Spence versus Crawford. It looks like, again, we're still not going to get that fight, that mega fight, the fight that I feel like we've been waiting since before the pandemic. We've been close so many times. But Crawford, and it might just be his, his, his representation, you know, from, from who I know and from what I've been reading as well, it just seems like Crawford's peoples don't want to come to the table and really break bread with Errol Spence to make this fight happen. They were allegedly close a few weeks ago into signing a contract, but then Crawford came out and announced that he's fighting some other dude. And we're like, wait, you're supposed to be fighting Errol Spence. Yeah, y'all can think that. I'm going to fight this other dude. Now, whether that's more so his management, his people, I don't know. But boxing had a chance with the resurgence of the heavyweights to really push and bring up the other divisions as well. And Errol Spence and Bud Crawford was supposed to be part of that. But unfortunately because of politics, contracts, and representation, it's just putting boxing way back in the back burner like how it was uh, pre-pandemic. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Episode 241 of the The Sandy Podcast. 241 of these things, good Lord. If you've missed any of those 241, hit up the The Sandy Com, okay, that's the website, that's the home, that's the hub of all content, audio and visual. Subscribe to the YouTube page, trying to get that going, doing a lot of YouTube shorts, getting some good feedback about that, so I appreciate those who have tapped in. And if you haven't tapped in, go ahead and check that link in the description. It's right there waiting for you. Um, we do pods every week, so this is this week's pod, episode 241, 242, be dropping next week. Uh, but make sure to check in on the social media stuff, whether it's the Elon app, whether it's the Zuckerberg app or the China app, as we push more and more content. So all feedback is appreciated. Those who reached out with topics for this uh, upcoming episode, this episode right here, appreciate that feedback. And I tried to mix those in as best as I could. Gonna keep doing that. Let me know if I'm missing something. Give me something to talk about here and I'll bring it to you, all right? So for the CMD Podcast, I'm D. Cindy. I'm out. <laughs>